because we have three people online, so can that in there? Um, and Erin had hinted that she might bring her kiddos, so that's why I was kind of halfway. Thank you guys for heading in. It's, it's like seeing last Wednesday spring right here. I'll have, to, I'll have to click unmute and all that kind of fun stuff with that as well. Um, so the kind of format I'm looking at because of the online hybrid situation is to do the teaching off the top, and then we'll do the prayer time after that. Um, so if you didn't get a prayer list, they're right over here. And hopefully we will see everything clicking in there. And I see me right there. Um, so that's a little terrifying, seeing me on YouTube. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll have some fun here. And um, But you, uh, you hold on to those prayer needs, and we will uh, do that after we kind of go off air with uh, uh, our stuff. So anyway... Um, Hopefully you uh, found that. Uh, a lot of you will probably find this uh, familiar because I'm basing it off of a little document called the Baptist Faith and Message. Um, it's a, kind of a, a familiar thing to a lot of you guys. And um, if you guys have questions, go ahead and pipe up. We do have a mic to pick you up, so if anybody's watching online, they can hear your question. Um, and if you get too crazy, I may make you get up here and talk yourself. So But uh, we'll uh, work through these different things and see where they're all, all heading there. And um, with that, uh, let's just open in prayer and see where this rolls. Lord, you are good. You are, um, you are faithful to us. And I pray that tonight as we look at your word, you remind us of your goodness and your grace. Um, I remind, remind us of your, um, your sovereignty your power of creation, and uh, may we set our hearts and our minds upon you this time. Thank you for the crew that's here. I uh, pray for those who are tuning in online as well, and that it would be a blessing to you uh, that we uh, gather to look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, so uh, the, the theme of the evening is God the Father, and this is actually built out of Article 2. Um, it's really just because what I thought of first, Article 1 in the Baptist Faith and Message is the scriptures. So uh, probably w if I had looked at the Baptist Faith and Message before I announced that I was going to do God the Father, I probably <laughs> would have started with the scriptures. But uh, we'll do that after we get through the Trinity. We'll do the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And if we don't make it through all of the, um, the uh, text tonight, that's okay. We got a lot of Bible verses, though. That's the plan is to do a, a whole lot of Bible verses. And if we have kids wander in, I'm going to give them an assignment as we listen to the verses. But um, on in the Baptist faith, uh, it's pretty tiny. You can't see it back there. You can see it okay up here. I'll go ahead and read it. Um, we're going to look at the, t uh, the, the preamble to Article 2 in the Baptist faith, the message. It's... Uh, about God the Father. It says, There is one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. To him, we owe the highest love. Hey! Um, to him, we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Could we get more academic? Is Pansy your only little one today? Hey, sweetheart. So you didn't bring the other guys? Oh, you thought you had. So that's okay, because I was going to give them an art project as we're starting there. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get you, you guys are welcome to do that. On the back of your worksheet here, I was going to have them draw a picture of God. Yeah. I'm going to see what's going on there. Um, 
I can't talk and draw at the same time. I can definitely talk. I'm not sure I can draw anyway. So um, anyway, uh, so as you guys r- r- looked at that text there, kind of listened to it, read it, what are some things that stand out? And we will look at the supporting scriptures. That's the point in tonight. We're not looking at just these statements. But um, this is the preamble to Article 2, which talks about God is three persons with there. Anything stick out as a reminder, perhaps, of something that you hadn't thought of with our God? So with all of those things, creator, redeemer, preserver, the ruler of the universe, he's also right here with us. He's personal right here with us. Hi. So, um, so all right, cool. Any, any other thoughts on that particular statement? Because we're about to look at the next one. And then after that, we're just going to be all Bible. All Bible. Okay, cool. All right, so here's the uh, 2A is God the Father, and that's where we're going to dwell tonight is God the Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Is fatherly in his attitude toward all men, men and women. But the generality of humanity there. Um, I think that even makes it more personal than what you just said. Um, starts out that picture there. Cool. So the uh, the topics we're going to hit are going to to pop up on the screen ahead of the verses and. Um, more than likely, if you're interested in, in, in the verses, most of them are in those, and we have them. They should be out here. We kind of took them out here. But we have some of the, the pamphlets that have the whole listing of it. But the supporting picture of God the Father uh, is built out of the, the passages that we're going to look at tonight. And there's a lot about God as creator. Um, and actually, there's a couple down there where they only have one or two supporting passages. I pulled the, the the headings out of the verses as I read them. I didn't. Act, they don't actually have the headings in, in the BFM, so uh, that's that's there. So God is Creator. Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there you go. God as Creator. Uh, Genesis one one. Um, so then in two seven, then the Lord formed man formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature i think if you look at the the accounts in genesis 1 and 2 it's an interesting thought once you get into genesis 2 and see the, the creation of humanity that what what did it look like before there was life right he's just sitting there because he had all the cr- creatures and all the critters along the way right and then God created us out of the dirt of the ground, the dust of the ground, and he, his breath is what brought us life. No other creature does it say something like this about. Humanity is unique. We are special. We are different. It's one of the reasons I adamantly pro-life is because God has created us special. You know, we, we aren't the same. He has created us for relationship with him and his, his goodness shows there along the way. So, God is creator, Genesis 2-7. And then we see his authority at work. And it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. A lot of us try to hold that kind of authority in our own lives, right? And then (laughs) we're all the adults in here are all parents. You know, why should I do that? <laughs> Be- 
because you may not make it out alive if you don't, right? The, uh, the judgment will fall. God, you know, who, we, we question God, and how does he answer that, right? Moses' question is, who, who in the world saying this to me? What do I tell him about this? What is his response? I am. I am the sovereign one. And it is with that authority that, you know, they're, they're coming there. So that in the midst of that, and of course last spring in our Wednesday night study, we looked at the life of Moses and, you know, his, his whole picture of how he related to the children of Israel was very much based on this one uh, statement, right? God is the one who declared this to be so. And so his sovereignty matters, his, his strength matters. How does the, the I am relate in other ways as you've seen in, um, in our world today? Even as people choose to deny the Lord. How does the I am relate? I can see you guys, some of you guys are really uncomfortable. You can, you can say stuff, it's all right. It's much less awkward to talk in person than on Zoom. So. Daniel, the, the tense of that is present perfect. That is, it is, it is ongoing. It, the I am is past, present, and future. It's, it's, it's all together. So it's an eternal statement, basically. It's a little mind-blowing. We looked at uh, that question on Sunday morning with Pilate and Jesus, right? Who, uh, when Jesus uh, talked about the truth and Pilate asks him that question, what is truth? He didn't even give him a chance to answer it, right? He's like, I'm done with you. And I, and I wonder how often we, we give up on that question the way Pilate statement comes back throughout Moses' ministry. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. There's no question there. Exodus chapter 6, along the way. He is sovereign. Lord, when you see it um, all capital, in all caps like that, um, it's a translation tool. That is the Yahweh, the, the name of God, um, the, the unspeakable name of God to the Jews. If you see it in lower case, it is Adonai, which is the picture of like a lord over a land or, or something like that. So they're actually, that those all caps are a translation tool so that we know which is there. And there's actually some controversy about how that's translated, but it's not really worth chasing because really it's just chasing rabbits and people choosing to question the sovereignty of God with it. Um, um, by the way, I, I was looking at, I'm looking at the YouTube thing, too. We have a few people watching. Um, if you are watching and you have a question, feel free to post it in, and, and I'll try to, to catch on there. You can test me. You, some of you may decide to tune in and test me, too. We'll see how long that goes. When he says, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know me as Lord, why didn't they know him as Lord? What is the Well, 
There, there's a sense, and, and it's a, you have to be careful about this statement because people use it the wrong way. Revelation at this point was not complete. I mean, and I'm not talking about the book of Revelation, but scriptural revelation was not complete. So how God showed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was in the promise, and perhaps that's how, how he's relating to it here, versus their, their full submission to God wasn't, um, wasn't the same as God was expecting from the Jewish people, or the Israelites, I guess, from those Jewish people, but the Israelites during Exodus. Maybe that's, maybe that's what that CSB translates that, but I was not known to them by my name, the Lord. So maybe it's a translation thing too. You just got to see how, whether it's a dynamic or a literal translation there. I've been, I've been using ESV for a while, and I honestly didn't look at these in a different translation today to see what they were, what they meant there. So, um, but again, he, he uses that Lord, that I am, that Yahweh, um, that that is that is still there, the Creator. Um, so then we get to a word of praise. Um, who is like you? O Lord, among the gods, who is like you in, in majestic, in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. All right? So, um, who did they swallow? What was this right after? Egyptians. The Egyptians. They had not submitted to the Lord, right? So, they're, they're praising God for their deliverance there. Awesome wonders. He has power over all creation. That's really what that is. It's talking again about a, a different aspect of the sovereignty. We're talking about that God can control the the, the forces of nature. And this isn't the only testimony in we in, in the scriptures that we have here about that. Um, what significance throughout the Old Testament it talks about stretching out his right arm? Generally, with authority, it was the right hand. I mean, uh, I know you're left-handed, right? No, you're not left-handed. You're lefty, and Caitlin's a lefty. Any other of those weird people in here? Anyway, yeah, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. My dad was left-handed too. So, um, no, the uh, the picture it, I think is his strength and the power. You know, that uh, the understanding of his his goodness and the gifts came through his strength. And I know for me, I am very right-handed. You know, there's not many things I can do with my my left arm that are you know anything compared to what I do with my right arm. And uh, as as opposed to the lefties being more ambidextrous, right? So. Little League World Series, one of the players he can throw right or left and bat and bat right or left, and they said that's extremely rare, and he's equally good either way. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably going to go a long way, right? Some uh, inning or two right-handed and switch to left-handed. There you go. Inning. That'll throw you off. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you could do that in the middle of an inning, but, man, that'll mess you up. Oh, wow. Where was that kid from? I have to watch out for him. We only saw Hawaii and Michigan play each other. Uh, I called the kids down, and that was when I saw that on there, but I didn't keep track of it a lot on the way. <clears throat> all right. Um, God spoke all these words. This is the, the word of the law. This is the preamp. This is the, the first half of the Ten Commandments. Remember, there's four that relate to God, and there are six that relate to one another. So these seven verses are the first four commandments. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath that or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the third to the children, iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So, 
the, the picture of taking the Lord's name in vain there really works out to making his name useless, not holding it in in regard, you know, the, the oh my gosh culture, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and obviously you don't want to curse and, and things like that, but, at, you know, th- there's, a, there's a depth to that statement that I think that we need to pay attention to because God, God is worthy of worship. He's not just worthy of respect, but he's worthy of reverence and awe and fear and, and you know, uh, all, these, all these wonderful things <laughs> that make it um, there. And we see, we don't wanna, I don't want to chase the judgment rabbit there, but we see that there is one righteous judge, okay? And God is that judge, and he is just. He is fair. And the way he dealt, deals with it ultimately is through Christ. And we'll come back to that, obviously, as we, we study more about the nature of God and the nature of Jesus. But sin itself must be punished. It must be. And um, we may not like it, but that is what, um, that's what, how God prescribes it along the way. So, um Basically, God as creator, we should not make anything in, in, in a graven image because it will never come to the wonder and the majesty of him. That's the whole picture that we run into here with idolatry, right? Is that everything that we do will fall short of his wonder and his, his amazing uh, beauty and, and all those things. So um, that picture shows God's creation like that. That's kind of what I was rolling Really, what we end up doing is worshiping ourselves in the midst of all of that. Um, and, and how much of the Old Testament is God condemning idolatry? You know, so much. And, and, and over and over and over and over. You see it all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you see it in, you know, with, with David and Solomon. And, and, and you see it just infiltrating there. And, and, and we can go into God's wrath and holiness in the midst of all that as well. But we, we must remember that God is, in the best sense, a jealous God. Because he is the one who is worthy of our worship. And um, so that, that's why he, we aren't to do what it says here, to take his name in vain. You know, to, to make his name worthless in the picture of all these, these other things. So, he's a great and awesome and powerful God. He made all of this, and basically the question would be, how dare us put anything else in his place? Because he's amazing and wonderful and loving. We can take God's name in vain by claiming to be a Christian and not doing it, and taking his name and sullying it. Well, the way it played out in the children of Israel was that they, the, the father's sins carried generational consequences. Does it? I mean, think about it. Think about some of the mistakes people make and how their, their descendants pay for them. I think that in, in the Old Testament, we, we see it with the kings. Um, one, you know, in, in the recently, I, in my Bible reading, I went through uh, the end of Kings and Chronicles, and I've been in Ezekiel for, it seems like the last few months, but I know it's only been about the last week and a half. But anyway, um, 
pretty phenomenal stuff in Ezekiel, but wow, there's some rough pictures there. Uh, God warned these kings over and over and over to knock it off, and yet they still kept up in their sin. And especially once you get to the end of the line of the kings of Judah before the fall to Babylon, holy buckets. I mean, they're, they're, Hezekiah had it, and then after that, it was just it just crumbled because Manasseh was so wicked. Children inside of God's house. Yeah. House of worship. So I think, Aaron, as much as anything, that is a warning that our decisions matter as much as it is um, a picture of what we would see as perhaps an unfair act or what that is. Is it more like the natural consequences of things versus being judgmental when they say, like if there's a third generation who thinks that these things are amazing, do they need to go back to it? The third or fourth generation of those who hate them. Right. And for those who love them, it's an entirely different I think that, that that point of repentance is always a turnaround. I think of um, many of you have met our, our pastor in uh, of Texas. Jerry's been here a few times. Jerry, you know, Jerry Lewis. Um, and one of the things he said, he and his wife were both children of divorced families. And their um, there were some pernicious sins in in those families. And they both were believers, and actually, ultimately, I think their families end up pretty well redeemed through all the early acts of there. But one of the things they, they determined in their marriage was these things that were obvious weren't going to happen in their marriage, if that, if that makes sense. So there's, there's a point to where he gives us a choice to how we are going to respond to this. Um, is it perfect? Is, 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 are we ever going to be perfect? Well, yes, when we're in the presence of Jesus. Right. Um, but I think he blesses repentance. And it, like Karen has just said, um, if, if, those, if they continue in those sinful ways, then the consequences will not cease and they'll probably get worse. Well, and, and we'll talk about it, God's holiness, human holiness, which can only come through the blood of Jesus, is still not a difficult thing to, for lack of a better term, to achieve, <laughs> right? Because as soon as we think we're doing well, guess what? We just get figured out that we have our own pride that's going to trip us up and, and hold, us, uh, hold us down immeasurably soon, so it becomes sinful. there's still a matter of, you can continue in sin. You can fall back into that sin. You just have to realize that God blesses repentance. And, you know, um, you know we, we can all fall into sinful patterns. Uh, so, so, yeah. That's a good question. That's a Kids are going to deal with the fact that I, you know, killed a cockroach. I don't know. Anyway, um, that those, those kinds of things. Does it work the other way? If if a if a, a 
particularly righteous in, 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 his, uh, in his life? Does the righteousness follow through his third and fourth generation? Well, it says to a thousand generations. It says to a thousand. <laughs> if we're going to take it literally. <laughs> There's always going to be things you inherit, you know, even genetically. Um, but behavioral patterns, um, they're, they're, they're inherited, right? Um, I've, I've picked up things from both my parents, and I think I've picked up things from both their parents. You, you know, you, you go back and back and back, and there's a reason that, you know, <laughs> I'll even think back a month ago when we had Joel to seize um, – service, you know, she had not spent any time around her children much, much at all, and her uh, her family, when I had said something about how she would answer the phone and say, hello, dear, that her son said that, right? You know, that was the same kind of thing he would answer the phone with, and they'd never really spent time around each other at all, um, and, you know, it's just little things, you know, that's just a picture of it, obviously, that's a pretty easy illustration, <laughs> but, you know, we don't, we don't know what we pick up different people, you know. I, I know I'm built just like my dad, which is, you know, good and bad, right? Um, strong as an ox, but, you know, you've got some other issues too, right? But you you see these different things and you deal with those. So, all right. Um, so this verse has been... So uh, more create God is we're not going to get past number one here. Maybe we'll come back next week. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is the the heavens declare. Wait, hold on. Did I skip it? Three. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. I, it threw me off that there were two verses in that first slide. Sorry. Um, so we got uh, pictures of the glory of the Lord, right? Um, Isaiah 43, getting into the prophets. I am the Lord, your Holy One, creator of Israel, your King. He declares himself to be creator in that. All right, so let's, let's move on to God's holiness. What do you think of when you hear the word holy? Good and bad. You can go there. Special, set apart. Purity. Purity. Awe. Awe. Okay. I say six. Okay. The holy, holy, holy. Okay. It's a good one. All right. So I put up a flame because I thought it looked cool. Um, Speak to Aaron, the Leviticus 22, verse 2. Speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy th things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. So his, his holiness matters to him. Okay, So this is setting apart in worship, the articles there, that um, are to be honored because they are for worshiping the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we already went through Deuteronomy. This is a, a, the... This is where the greatest commandment rolls out of, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Mark, uh, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark quotes that directly. Uh, 
is the, the, the greatest commandment, okay? Um, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. With his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Um, that, that kind of holiness is something that we should recognize as a, you know, we, we, we live in fear of, of natural disasters and things like that. We just do. I mean, humanity is scared of those things. And rightfully so. I mean, we've all seen different consequences of his, his wrath and his destruction. But um, there's a sense of the, the, that awe, that, that power that God alone holds and his greatness and his goodness that his righteous his righteous wrath brings purity upon the earth um, I think about and you all live there the Romulans live there in Los Alamos the fires up there and took out the whole hill above the town and it just left sticks above, you know and yet a, a few years later you see life coming in a sense, it's pure. You know, it's it's been cleansed. It's that fire actually chasing the ground. It cle- you know cleared out a bunch of, of stuff. And while it was devastating to the people who lived there, but it's also something that is healthy for the land because it, it, it cleanses it. And that's a hard thing to see when you hear about twelve massive wildfires in California and not being able to walk outside without seeing down the street here, you know, picking up smoke from that far away. But that, again, that's a picture of the, the awesome nature of God. Uh, I remember during some of the summer fires several years ago going out here and looking at the moon, and it was just blood red, you know. And a lot of people were really paranoid about the fact that it was red. Well, there's a reason it's red. You know? But it was, it's, a, it's a picture of God's power. You know? He put it there. He can take it away, too. do well to have that sense of a, a holy picture of the Lord, right? Yeah. And then we see the holiness of how we're and how we're supposed to pray once you get into the New Testament. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is to be your name. Um, we should revere the Lord. So another aspect of God is that he is generous. If you then, who are evil, this is Matthew chapter 7, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? All right? God is generous to those. He's Well, He's you know, one of the pictures we see of God's grace in the world is the fact that, um, you know, wicked people get rich. Honestly, because if if people aren't going to know the Lord, God will let them have a good life on earth. Now, this eternal issue, you know, that's why we proclaim the gospel. It's because we all have the same des- uh, destination if we don't know the Lord. But I even see that, you know, why why does God let, you know, it, you know the the picture of injustice of why do these people who don't honor the Lord, you know, have all this money? Well, maybe He's got this, you know, he, he knows what it's going to be like for them later. He wants them to at least have a chance to experience his goodness in this life. Um, and that's a hard realization to come to. But God is generous. He does take care of us. And I think we, um, if we only focus on what we're lacking, we're going to forget all the things that we've been blessed with. So God has been so good. Yeah, it's an eternal. Well, you know, that's why I, I would even say that within our relationships, within our, um, well, it's even going to um, go there. Without faith, it, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How does he reward them? With him, with his presence, okay? This is going to be something that we see over and over and over come out as a picture there. It's going to be something where we 
we experience the goodness of the Lord. All right, so God is three in one. Here's the headache, all right? Yes. He's good. So the Trinity. So this is the Father, right? We're going to get a picture of the Father and the Son here. But we see how he shows himself. He says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, before we chase too many rabbits, we can get, uh, I, I'm, this is a brush over, okay? These are the verses that they used in the description here. We're going to go into the Son and the Spirit here, okay? We're mainly talking about the aspect of the Father. But we must remember that when we start talking about God the Father, He is co-equal with the Son and the Spirit. It's the way He shows Himself to us, right? The Redeemer is the Son, the, the, uh, the uh, Sanctifier is the Spirit, and that's, you know, the, the Father is the, the giver of all good things. And so the, the, that's a pretty light explanation of, of his goodness there. But we must realize that throughout the New Testament and even into the Old Testament, you can go back to, I'm not, I don't have the verses up here, but Genesis chapter 1 says, let us create man in our image. There's a Trinitarian thought in that, okay, um, because it said the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. And... Um, and all those those pictures there. So we could chase that rabbit a long way. Let's save it for next time because we've got lots to, to get to in the aspects of who God is. Right? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and truth, all right? Um, we, we, the, the physical act of our worship is actually an act of faith and trusting him, right? That he's he has redeemed us and he brings us together. So, um, so yeah, that's why I'm hedging out here. John chapter five: For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. Okay, ponder that. I see a lot of co-equal things there. And the Gospel of John, uh, Allison had just shared in the Bible reading group that the the huddle is doing. Um, Gospel of John is her favorite, but there's one of the pictures that we see here. It's this Trinitarian picture of Jesus and God and the Spirit throughout that. Thing, all right. Um, all right. Um, and then in the again in the Great Commission, this is coming back to what we read a moment ago in Matthew. We see it in Acts. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority." So the so God, the Father has fixed history. We don't need to live in fear of all the things happening in this world in the greater scheme of things. I mean, we want to experience the bad things of the world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we, we can trust that God has it in store. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That is Jesus saying this. So you have the Father, you have the Spirit, and you have the Son involved in this statement. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria the end to the end of the earth um, for all those in Romans chapter 8 for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Father we could chase uh, adoption that way too maybe we will here in a little bit or you know, in a few weeks about the Christian life as well. But um, the spirit that we receive is one of freedom, one of adoption, and uh, that God has, has claimed us, okay, when we receive the Lord. Um, there is one God, and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So exist for the Father, exist through Jesus. And, and we'll come back a little bit into Col in Colossians chapter 1. He, he says those things in a different manner along the way. Um, we're going to look at that in a minute. 
because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And he is, in this Colossians chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So, um, Jesus and the Father are one. And he says it in the Gospel of John several times that that is the case. But we see it throughout the New Testament as well. And again, these are the supporting passages that are found in the, in the Baptist Christian message. I'm not being creative here. <laughs> so I'm, I pulled it straight out of some pretty significant historical documentation. All right. Um, God is eternal. To the king of the ages, this is 1 Timothy 1.17. Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I love how Paul in his, um, well, this isn't a, a doxology in the sense of ending the, uh, ending, ending something or a, well, a benediction, but he always comes back to a point of praise when it comes to God. He's always praising the Lord, never stops. And he always recognizes Jesus as God, right? So that father is there. And he's impartial, and this goes into the judgment thing. Actually, it comes back to some of the things we asked here a minute ago. Um, besides this, Hebrews chapter 12, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? I get, I get a little concerned when people say that God, they make the statement when they talk about how they're living their life, God and I have an understanding. That makes me real nervous because I'm like, but do you understand God? You know, you know, there's, he is the righteous judge, and he is not mocked. Um, and that's a hard place to keep. Right. And that's, um, I try not to use, I, I try not to get too dogmatic about terminology, but I try never try to never use terminology like the big man upstairs. Um, it's kind of flippant, right? You know, things like that. Uh, always keep God where God who where God is <laughs> on the throne, right? And then First Peter, I think this last verse. Yep, it, uh, one seventeen. If you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time your exile. So he's writing to the church, the diaspora that has been scattered throughout the Roman Empire here. And he's he's saying that live your lives like you belong to God. And and that's the message for all of us as we understand who God is. Uh, it's not a it's not a God's going to get you kind of situation. It's it's understanding who he is that he is worthy of worship and reverence. And, uh, and we'll come back. Uh, you know, We're going to get God the Father, God the Spirit, uh, the Son, God the Spirit through the next three weeks. Um, or more if we get you know, kind of bogged down and then we get getting into that creator thing. I was wondering whether we were going to get through tonight. But <laughs> um, we, uh, we see who God is and the God the Father and how it works out that way. So um, any more comments before we say goodbye to our, our streaming friends? you learn something new tonight or a change of perspective Yeah, and I think if we if we dive into like a word study of Lord, we could really dig into that sovereignty aspect of it. Um, I, I would say in all of this, of course, I didn't use that attribute, but that hovers over all of it. Is you know the Trinity is a sovereign aspect of God, right? Why is it like that? Because He declared it to be like that. You know, that's that's who He is. 
sovereignty is a real deal. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the lordship of God, submitting to him, is the most difficult act of the Christian life. Because being made in his image, we have freedom. And we can choose the good path or not. <laughs> the good path is to follow Christ. So. And, and there is a sense of obedience in all of that. Even as you get to the Great Commission, you know, and says Jesus says, "I can, I command you, you know, to go into the uttermost parts of the earth and make disciples." So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, good thought. Sovereignty is is over all of that. Over, that's just not one of the adjectives I put on there. All right. Well, farewell, YouTube crew. We'll go offline now. Thanks for tuning in. And we're going to do our prayer time here with that. Um, and uh, catch you next week. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And people will use these things to, to bless the Lord. Thanks.